the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Change makers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Most people are looking for that one diet program that enables them to lose weight and keep it off. They follow an array of diets, all promising success, and yet obesity rates continue to rise, as do the number of diseases and health problems. Today's guest, Dr. Michael Greger, believes that it's time for a different approach. Dr. Greger honed in on how food actually affects our health and longevity, and he offers actionable advice to help us replace weight loss struggles with a simple, healthy, sustainable lifestyle. Dr. Greger is a physician, New York Times bestselling author, and founding member and fellow of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. He's an internationally recognized speaker on nutrition, food safety, and public health issues. Dr. Greger's new book is How Not to Diet, The Groundbreaking Science of Healthy Permanent Weight Loss. Welcome, Dr. Greger. Thank you so much for joining us. So excited to be here. So, Doctor, like so many other people, I have spent most of my life on the diet hamster wheel, losing weight, gaining weight. I actually hate the word diet. In your book, Mm -hmm. you have a quote from the White House Conference on Food, Nutrition, and Health that states, no other area of the national health probably is as abused by deception and misinformation as nutrition. Many travesties cheat the public of enormous sums of money and of good health as well. For a society that spends so much time dieting, we have an obesity epidemic. What does the science tell us regarding what we're doing wrong with the way we approach weight management? Yeah, that's why I wrote the book. I mean, with so much nutritional noise and nonsense these days, I just wanted there to finally be an evidence-based diet book. And I said literally thousands of studies digging up every possible tip, trick, tweak, technique proven to accelerate the loss of body fat, to give people every possible advantage and basically build the optimal weight loss solution from the ground up. Doctor, what does the science say about the relationship between nutrition, lifestyle, and good health? Well, there's only one diet that's ever been proven to reverse heart disease, for example, the majority of patients, a plant-based diet. Now, look, if that's all a plant-based diet could do, uh, reverse our number one killer of men and women, uh, then shouldn't that kind of be the default diet until proven otherwise? Mm-hmm. And the fact that it can also be effective in preventing, arresting, or reversing other leading killers like type 2 diabetes and high blood pressure would seem to make the case for plant-based eating simply overwhelming. Doctor, there are so many different types of diets on the market today. Do you think we're harming ourselves by following some of these? Oh, my God, there's some terrible uh, diets. Um, and they can be uh, really quite harmful. But uh, look, I mean, diets in general, I mean, don't work by definition because, you know, you go on them, you go off of them. It's not about what you eat next week or next month. It's what you're going to eat for the next decades. And so you need to find a diet that's not only health-promoting, but, you know, convenient and affordable and it tastes great. Really, that's where the, the evidence points to, you know, the healthiest diet being one that minimizes in general, the intake of meat, eggs, dairy, and processed junk, it maximizes the intake of fruits 
and vegetables and legumes, which are beans, chickpeas, chickpeas, and lentils, whole grains, nuts and seeds, mushrooms, herbs, and spices, basically real food that grows out of the ground. These are our healthiest choices. What do you believe from all of the research that you conducted are the key ingredients of a healthy eating plan? Oh, well, uh, besides being safe, sustainable, nutritious, and healthy like any good diet, there are 17 criteria for weight loss efficacy. So, uh, for example, the optimal weight loss diet should be anti-inflammatory, clean, uh, free from hormone-disrupting chemicals, full of fiber-rich foods to trap calories and flush them out of your body, and you know, on down the list. Uh, basically, it comes down to eating real food that grows out of the ground, uh, natural foods from fields, not factories, a diet centered around whole plant foods. It turns out the health, healthiest diet also appears to be the most effective diet for weight loss. Would that work for everyone? It would work for everyone that does it. The um, key difference between this plant-based nutrition, more traditional approaches to weight loss is that people are encouraged to eat ad libitum, which means eat as much as you want. No calorie counting, no portion control, just eating. Uh, the strategy is to improve the quality of food rather than restricting the quantity of food. So it doesn't leave you hungry. I mean, that's the kind of diet you stick with. I mean, instead it gives you a boost of energy, better digestion, improved sleep, but you don't know how good you're going to feel until you give it a try. And it makes a lot of sense that we have to undo all of that programming that we've been taught about calories. Indeed. You know, a calorie is not a calorie. I mean, that's a trope broadcast by the food industry to try to absolve itself of culpability. But, you know, that's what we're all taught, that a calorie from one source is just as fattening as a calorie from any other. But a calorie is not just a calorie. I mean, 100 calories of chickpeas is a different impact than 100 calories of chicken or chiclets uh, based on different effects on factors like absorption, appetite, microbiomes. You know, we talked about fiber, but, uh, you know, even if you eat and absorb the same number of calories, the calorie may still not be a calorie. The same number of calories eaten at a different time of day or after different amounts of sleep can uh, translate into different amounts of body fat. So uh, it's not just what we eat, but how and when. You had mentioned following an anti-inflammatory diet. How does inflammation and gut health pertain to weight issues? Inflammation has to do with uh, what's called leptin resistance. So our, our fat cells actually produce a hormone called leptin. Um, and uh, so the more fat cells we have, the higher leptin levels in our body. And that's like our fat thermostat. So our brain picks up the levels of leptin. And once it gets too high, our body starts dialing down our appetite such that we lose the weight so we don't become obese. In fact, there's a famous series of experiments done in a Vermont uh, prison where prisoners, it was an experimental obesity study where they tried to get people to gain 25 pounds. So they had people eating 10,000 calories a day. And it was very difficult. People started throwing up breakfast, and it was very difficult. And once they finally did get them up to that weight, and as soon as the study was over, instantly they lost all the weight back to their baseline weights. Um, their body just did not want to eat those excess calories. So wait a second, how can there be an uh, obesity epidemic when you know there's this system in our body to keep our weight in check? Well, it's because of leptin resistance. Our brain becomes resistant to the effects of leptin. It doesn't pick up on our high leptin levels, and that is because of an inflammatory insult to the appetite-regulating systems in our brains, and you can d demonstrate this even after a single meal, high in saturated fat, something like uh, butter or cheese or meat, a fatty meat, um, uh, you can get uh, this, this uh, inflammatory damage um, uh, to the appetite regulation centers in the brain, and you do that day after day, um, and you can develop this leptin resistance. But um, it's thought that after a few months of uh, cutting, of, of, of switching to a, a, a low saturated fat diet, which means cutting down on basically meat, dairy, and junk food, um, you can repair that damage within your brain and regain your leptin sensitivity, and so the pounds can come off more naturally.
Why do you think people opt for the quick fix that they'd rather take a pill than take your advice? Well, I think they just don't know. I mean, I think they, I mean, it's really, it's, it's an ignorance. Studies show that people wildly overestimate the powers of pills and procedures to keep them healthy. Um, so, for example, patients believe these cholesterol-lowering statin drugs are about 20 times more effective than they actually are in preventing heart attacks. So it's like, well, no wonder most people continue to rely on drugs to save them. But, you know, leaving killers, you know, the, the, the dirty little secret is that most people surveyed said they wouldn't even be willing to take these drugs if they knew how little benefit they actually offered, whereas treating the you know, actual cause by cleaning up our diets, not only safer and cheaper, but can be more effective in treating, arresting, and reversing many of our leading causes of death. Doctor, in general, do you believe that doctors are getting better trained to recommend food and lifestyle changes rather than just prescribe meds? Slowly but surely, but too slowly. Doctors have a severe nutrition deficiency in education. Most doctors just mm -hmm. never taught about the impact healthy nutrition can have on the course of illness, and so they graduate without this powerful tool in their medical toolbox. Now, look, there's also institutional barriers such as time constraints, lack of reimbursement. And in general, you know, doctors simply aren't paid for counseling people on how to take better care of themselves. Uh, of course, the drug companies also play a role in influencing medical education and practice. Uh, you can ask your doctor when's the last time they were taken out to dinner by Big Broccoli. It's probably been a while. <laughs> well, you know, I am such a fan of your work because I'm the type of person when I don't feel well, I literally will crush garlic and eat that for a few days. And, and I can tell you, almost immediately, you can see the results. And even better is if you were eating garlic all along, maybe you wouldn't have felt bad in the first place. <laughs> and that's the, right, prevention is still, right? And so often, uh, yes, the, I mean, so there are certain foods that can have such powerful pharmacological-like effects that people use them in that way to treat conditions. But, you know, I like to think of foods as more as the basis of, of kind of preventive medicine in the first place. Although it's nice to know that there are certain foods that we can use to, uh, if uh, for some reason our health slips in one way or another. Can you give us a few examples of diet changes that could combat a particular disease or two? Oh, absolutely. So, for example, um, uh, ground flax seeds. Um, so the reason I recommend one tablespoon of ground flax seeds today is that uh, flax seeds are the single most concentrated source of a class of anti-cancer compounds called lignans, um, but you do have to ground them up. If you eat whole flax seeds, they just uh, pass right through you. Also a great source of fish-free omega-3s, uh, tested head-to-head. -head. Just a few spoonfuls of ground flax seeds a day can lower blood pressures two to three times better than our leading blood pressure drugs and only have good side effects, reducing the risk of breast and prostate cancer, helping to control cholesterol, triglycerides, blood sugars, reducing inflammation, curing constipation. That's why I recommend a tablespoon of ground flax seeds every day. Doctor, we've been talking about food during this conversation, but what lifestyle recommendations do you recommend we make? Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, so the global burden of disease study is the number one uh, risk factor for death and disability is diet. But then number two is uh, cigarettes. Cigarettes continue to kill a half million Americans every year. Yes, our diet kills hundreds of thousands and more, but um, absolutely stopping smoking. It's what we put in our mouths, both cigarettes and food, um, that most determines our health. And then the third component would be exercise. We really need to uh, not only exercise, but prevent uh, long-term sitting, prevent inactivity. So even if you do exercise, even if you go to gym after to the gym after work, sitting more than six hours a day is not good for us. Um, it may increase our risk of chronic disease. And so uh, keeping active. Now I recommend 90 minutes of uh, moderate exercise a day or 45 minutes of rigorous exercise. Uh, any amount is is better than nothing, absolutely. But the science does show basically the more the better up to um, uh, uh, up to the, the kind of plateau at 90 minutes a day. You write about weight loss accelerators in your book. Can you share a few of those with us? Yeah, yeah. So there's um, uh, 21 things people can do on a daily basis to accelerate the loss of body fat regardless of what you eat the rest of the time. Uh, the whole list is available on a free app, uh, available on iPhone and Android called Dr. Gregor's Daily Dozen. 
Um, and look, I think it's uh, you know important to mention I don't receive a penny from my books either. All proceeds I get from the sales of my books are all donated to charity. Uh, I just want everyone to have access to this life-changing, life-saving information. Um, but uh, yeah, we can. Uh, happy to go through a few of them first. So, for example, um, uh, uh, sneaking people just a quarter teaspoon of garlic powder a day cause them to lose about six pounds of straight body fat over 15 weeks. And a quarter teaspoon a day would only cost about two cents. Um, another uh, cheap uh, uh, tweak is adding two teaspoons of vinegar to every meal. When our body metabolizes the acetic acid vinegar, we get a natural boost of a fat-burning enzyme called AMPK, causing people to lose about five pounds over three months for just, again, pennies a day without removing anything from their diets. Um, uh, I recommend people stop eating after 7 p.m. because for circadian rhythms, food eaten at night is more fattening than the exact same food eaten earlier in the day. So the fewer calories after sundown, the better. Um, uh, preloading with negative calorie foods. Uh, so negative calorie preloading just means starting out a meal with fruits, vegetable soup, salad, or simply a tall glass of water, basically anything with less than 100 calories per cup. Uh, so, for example, eating a large apple before a meal is so filling that people go on to eat about 300 calories less food. So, 100 calories in, 300 calories out. An apple eaten before a meal effectively has negative 200 calories. And how important is exercise in this process? Well, you know, uh, even, you know, like a moderately obese person doing moderate intensity physical activity, like biking, very brisk walking, uh, burn off about, uh, you know, 350 calories an hour. But most drinks, snacks, uh, other processed junk are consumed at a rate of about 70 calories a minute. Therefore, in, it only takes five minutes of snacking for someone to wipe out a whole hour of exercise. That's why, you know, you can't outrun a bad diet. I was watching a, a television show the other day, and the the couple that was on between the husband and the wife, they had lost a combination of 200 pounds, and they were doing all of the things that you are recommending. They just made simple lifestyle changes, made better choices, and the pounds just melted off. Love it. That's how it should be. It should be effortless if you eat the right food. Um, and that's uh, indeed, I mean, that's the key difference is that people can eat as much as they want. It's not about calorie counting, not about portion control. You're just eating the right foods. It's changing the quality of foods, not the quantity of foods. The book is How Not to Diet. If you'd like to get more information about Dr. Greger and his work, you can visit drgreger.org. That's drgreger.org. Or as always, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on the site, listen to past shows on demand, read our digital magazine, and be sure to sign up for our mailing list. Doctor, in our final moments, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? Oh, well, I just want uh, people to know the good news, that we have tremendous power over our health, destiny, and longevity. The vast majority of premature death and disability is preventable with a plant-based diet and other healthy lifestyle behaviors. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us. I'm so glad to be here. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. How much can the right foods do for you? A lot more than weight control. The right foods can increase your energy, improve your outlook, and strengthen your body's natural defenses. What foods can do all that? Primo Health Solutions will show you using metabolic typing. This remarkable program lets your body tell you what it needs to work best. Call them today at 347-903-7030. That's 347-903-7030. Or go to PrimoHealthSolutions.com. Using metabolic typing, Primo Health Solutions will let your body work best. Calm, vitality, mindfulness. We all want them, but they seem so hard to attain. Escape the stress and frenzy of the city streets. New York Open Center offers courses, trainings, and a vibrant community to help you start your journey for a more balanced and healthy life. Visit our website at opencenter.org for more information. Stop by our cafe and bookstore for all your wellness needs. Find your center at 30th and Madison. Hi, this is Joan Herman. 
Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. to live a happy, productive life, but sometimes we just need a little help. Our Coach On Call experts provide strategies to help you live your best life now. Joining me today is Linda Mitchell, a certified transition coach, reinvention expert, and speaker who empowers people that are stuck, in pain, or ready for change to release the struggle, gain clarity, and evolve to their highest purpose as they move through life's challenges and transitions. Linda is here today to discuss releasing physical blocks to abundance, money, and prosperity. Welcome, Linda. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me back, Joan. So, Linda, what is the role of the physical body in manifesting money, and how can it block our ability to manifest? Well, first, I guess I should say that people know me as a life coach, but what many don't know is that for well over 18 years, I've also been an intuitive body worker. Now, both have given, given me the unique perspective and ability to see and help people on the physical, intellectual, and emotional level. I've seen it over and over again that our physical body, the way we perceive it, mistreat it, or ignore it, creates blocks to manifesting money, prosperity, and frankly, every type of abundance, like love, tranquility, success, and so on. The body is the bridge between our current reality and what we want to bring to fruition. When we tune in and listen to the body signals, we're taking full advantage of our whole selves. When we ignore or mistreat the body, we unintentionally block our ability to manifest our dreams and desires, including money, abundance, and prosperity. You see, the body is the divining rod, the antenna to successful manifestation. Here's what I mean. Too often people stay in their heads analyzing problems instead of feeling and listening to their body's wisdom. Why is this? Well, sometimes because when we do tune into our bodies, we feel all of our aches and pains, right? And people say, wow, I don't want to feel that. So we tune out our body signals. Then our bodies, instead of being the divining rod, become the weak link in the chain, making manifestation much more difficult. Linda, many people talk about the law of attraction, yet they wonder why it's not working for them. You believe that tuning into our physical bodies and connecting to our body intelligence is the missing piece. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yes, I absolutely see this and believe the body is the critical missing link to the law of attraction. This is why manifesting purely through your intentions energetically is not enough. We fail at manifesting because we're ignoring this important piece, the body's wisdom and messages. It's possible, but much harder to consistently manifest when you're detached from your physical body. Our body is our manifestation station. So we can use the law of attraction all we want, but if we're not tuning into our body's intelligence, we're spinning our wheels. Our issues land in our tissues. And from my years as an intuitive body worker, I can tell you the body never lies. For example, perfectionism always lands in the same place. Feeling unworthy always lands between the shoulder blades. Feeling out of control or wanting more control always lands in the neck. Feelings of obligation land in one specific shoulder. And feeling like you rarely get what you want lands in the other. Issues of stability, safety, finances, and security always land in the low back. When we ignore these signals, the body will continue to call out to you like a little child waiting to be heard. The physical body is an outward representation of our inner landscape, our inner thoughts, feelings, and beliefs. Our issues land in our tissues until we acknowledge and listen to them. We will always have a much harder time manifesting money and prosperity. Linda, what is the difference between blocks and gaps, and how can we recognize each so that we can free ourselves from them? Well, there are two kinds of misalignments that take shape in our bodies, gaps and blocks. 
So low-level chronic pain and emotions such as anxiety, self-doubt, and feeling unworthy, I see as a gap because you're not connecting in with your higher self or being fully present in your body. It could be chronic stress and tension in the low back, shoulders, or stomach. And if you're ignoring it, you're detaching from the body and missing the signal your body is sending about your circumstances, relationships, and other life choices. On the flip side, things like acute physical pain I see as blocks to manifestation because you're stuck in a sensation of pain and the desire to relieve it. Unbelievably hard to override physical pain and try to get into the space of envisioning what you want to manifest. Acute pain or anxiety keeps us totally out of the manifestation game because we often can't think past or feel past the pain. So that's the easiest way to recognize the difference. Acute pain creates blocks and low-level pain, anxiety, and uncomfortable emotions create gaps in the process of manifestation. Joan, we've been gifted this physical form. Let's start using the body the way it was intended. The body is the critical missing piece of the mechanics of manifestation. Let's intentionally tune in, listen, and feel so we have more consistent success manifesting money, love, and abundance of all kinds. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more about this topic or Linda and her work, you can visit livinginspiredcoaching.com. And as always, to hear more from Linda, you can visit our website, cyacyl.com slash Linda. We'll be right back. Are you like so many Americans suffering with headaches? Hello, I'm Dr. Kyle Appuccino, chiropractic physician and founder of Health on Main Wellness Center located in Little Falls, New Jersey. The fact is, there are more than 150 types of headaches identified by the International Classification of Headache Disorders. Those 150 types of headaches are broken into two distinct categories, primary and secondary. A primary headache, such as a migraine or tension-type headache, is one where the headache is not caused by another condition. On the other hand, secondary headache comes from another source, such as withdrawal from caffeine, hormone changes during the menstrual cycle, overconsumption of alcohol, or even sinus pressure from seasonal allergies. Rarely are headaches indication of a serious medical condition and most of these headaches can be resolved with rest or the counter pain relievers being properly nourished and hydrated or with posture corrections when should you see a doctor for your headaches well anytime that you feel that your headache is becoming unmanageable more persistent disrupting your vision your sleep or even your speech so with over 150 documented types of headaches it can be difficult to know how to treat yours I'm Dr. Kyle Epicino, chiropractic physician in Little Falls, New Jersey. Call me at 973-832-6722 or reach out to me at healthonmain.info and together we can effectively work on relieving your headaches. Hi, doctor. Hey, freelancer. Hi there, business owner. Today's world has so many acronyms. As leaders called upon to speak to our teams, to the public, and to our patients and clients, we must be very careful about the choice of acronyms that we use. If folks don't understand our acronyms like ROI, EBITDA, EMR, CRM, FTCPA, etc., then our messages are missing the target. This is Vito Mazur with Kinem.com, and today I want to share two powerful and positive acronyms, NARUKA and NAOP. In our professional careers, when we are awarded preferred status by a particular person or organization, it's a positive idea to share that with our potential clients. I'm delighted to share a proud moment about NARUCA, the Northeast Regional Urgent Care Association, and NAOP the National Association of Occupational Health Professionals, two outstanding medical organizations. We are thrilled to announce that Kinem Inc. has just been honored with preferred vendor status by both of these outstanding medical entities. They represent two of the fastest growing segments in medicine. Kinem will be helping them with cash flow management services. We're very grateful for this recognition and would love to tell you more about it. So call me at 800 800- 850-5110. Do you believe that there can be a silver lining from tragedy and that blessings come in disguise? Hi, this is Joan Herman here with a lesson learned while earning my PhD in life. Your attitude determines how you view a situation and how you move through it. A tragedy is defined as an event causing great suffering, destruction, and distress. We understand the meaning of those words. However, I believe the important component is how we view the situation. What may be a tragedy to one person is nothing more than a bump in the road to another. And while we can agree that events such as death, divorce, or job loss create less than desirable circumstances, 
Each can be viewed and handled differently from one person to the next. The key is that person's outlook. There are people who see the glass half full in all situations, and others who see it as half empty. We have a choice about how we view what occurs in our life, and that choice determines how we will transition through a tragic experience. So, how can you get through a tragedy? Recognize that you have a choice in the situation. We often believe that we are a victim of circumstance and that this will be our lot in life. We think that we will never recover. The key to moving on is to know that you have the power to change the situation. No matter how devastating the circumstance, you have the power to get through it. You are not a victim. The choice is yours. Never suppress your feelings. Hurt, sadness, and grief are all normal emotions and they should be felt. The problem occurs when you allow yourself to stay stuck, when you assume the role of victim. Get help if you cannot do it by yourself. Read books and seek information that can help you get your head in the game. Reach out to friends and loved ones. Isolation can make the situation worse. And seek professional assistance if you're overwhelmed, depressed, or have suicidal thoughts. Remember, you're not alone and you have a choice. How we experience our life comes from how we view what we experience. As Dr. Wayne Dyer said, when we change the way we look at things, the things we look at change. Thanks for spending this time with me. For more inspiration and empowering tools, visit joanherman.com. This is WNYF, Hackensack, New Jersey, New York City. Welcome back to Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for staying with us. Most of us strive to live a healthy lifestyle, but it isn't always easy. Our next guest, Lori Gardner, joins us to talk about how we can create and maintain healthy living. Lori is a registered nurse and founder and CEO of HealthLink Advocates. As a board-certified health coach, she guides individuals with all aspects of their health care, and she advocates for them at times when help is needed most. Welcome, Lori. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, Joan. So, Lori, as I said in the introduction, it isn't always easy to maintain a healthy lifestyle, but you've developed a well-being course entitled Healthy Living Always. What do you mean by healthy living always, and how can this help us get the job done? Well, Joan, just as a little background, um, as a young nurse, a very young nurse, I witnessed so many patients with similar diagnoses, and they had different outcomes, and I was really perplexed by it and very interested. And it really seemed to be based on their mindset and how they took care of themselves. So fast forward into my work as a patient advocate and health and wellness coach, I found that when I assist clients tap into inner power to connect their body to their mind and their spirit, that this can greatly improve their overall well-being. It's really amazing to see this process. And this in turn can either prevent disease, keep them well, or it can help manage a chronic disease. And it also can help the individual live at their highest level of functioning and manage that disease better with a better mindset. So I believe that every person is creative, resourceful, and whole. And with this program, they can learn that the mind, body, and spirit need to be connected in order to reach their highest level of functioning. And when they do that, they can live healthy always. That's where we got the name from, living healthy always. So let's break down this program a bit. Is there a process that you offer to help others do what you advise? That's a great question, Joan. And yes, we do have um, a model called the Wellness Inventory. And this was created by Dr. John Travis. He was a pioneer in the wellness field. And in 1972, he developed the what we call the Illness Wellness Continuum Model, which describes high-level wellness. So Further, they they talk about the illness paradigm is really what we all know of as modern medicine. You know, we treat signs and symptoms with medications and surgeries. And this can be an important part of medicine and our health. But Dr. Travis really was devoted to encouraging a move towards a wellness paradigm, where with a little education and awareness, we could achieve a higher level of wellness overall. And that can improve our health in all aspects of a person's life. So very interesting. He developed the first wellness center in 1975 and also developed the first whole person wellness assessment, which is what we use, the wellness inventory. Now, this goes beyond disease prevention, which is important, but it's a dynamic process with the goal of high level functioning and a balance of 12 dimensions of life. And so it really is what I would call a wellness wheel, Joan, and it starts with the first one being self-love and responsibility. We have to have that responsibility to ourselves and to our health and well-being to build the foundation of the rest of the 11 dimensions. And it goes on to doing 
you know, breathing, sensing, eating, and moving, these are all considered like inputs. We need all these energy inputs, right? We need to breathe. We need to have our senses and feelings and eating and moving and all of that to come in and sustain our bodies. But then we move into other dimensions like feeling, thinking, playing, and working, communicating. And these are all important for our overall well-being. And this is an area that I find people don't think that much about thinking. Um, and then we move into things like intimacy, finding meaning and transcending. This is where you get into the, the transcending, the spiritual part of ourselves that is equally important to the other um, dimensions as well. So I mentioned the illness wellness paradigm, and I think um, to give a better idea of what that really means is that I think of two people. I think of one woman who has a disability. She's confined to a wheelchair, but you see her going around. She's got a nice smile on her face. We have a nice illustration of this. But this is a woman who has managed her disability in a well that she's achieved overall well-being, meaning she's found other things in her life to develop her sense of happiness and purpose and meaning. And that woman is lived in the wellness paradigm. And then you look at another um, example of the illness paradigm, potentially. You have a young man who is a marathon runner, and he does everything right for his health, everything. But yet, a little scorn on his face, you know, he's not so happy, he doesn't have, he's got a lot of stress maybe, he's got, um, you know, not a lot of social support and a lot of good relationships. This is an example of potentially him heading towards an illness paradigm because he's got stress, he doesn't have those social connections, which we know now from research is crucial for our overall well-being. That's kind of an example of two, you know, the illness wellness um, paradigm. Uh, so... You know, there's many tools we use within these 12 dimensions, but they're all connected in a holographic way. And uh, we see that as you improve one of those dimensions, it can positively affect the other. So working on whole person wellness can help to increase energy and reduce stress and improve relationships. You know, I, I've been doing this work for a long time, and, and I am a firm believer that all areas of our life must be in balance in order to achieve wellness. And you've been doing this work for a long period of time in a variety of roles. If you could sum it up, what do you believe is the foundation for healthy living? I really think the foundation is actually the first dimension in our wellness wheel, and that is self-responsibility and love. If you don't have the responsibility to yourself to want to improve yourself and kind of step out of your comfort zone to find other ways of being well and managing either disease or preventing the disease and also have enough love to give yourself that care. You know, there's a lot of people that don't believe they deserve it. They've never been taught it. It's a whole new world. And that is, I usually say to people, that is key. So I would say the foundation to answer your question is self-responsibility and self-love. Lori, when, when we think of health, we think of being disease-free, but what about the person that has a chronic disease? How does that person live healthy always? Another great question, Joan, and I look at this all the time because, you know, sometimes we don't have choices over the diseases we have, but we do have a choice over what we do about it and what we think about it. So there's a lot of studies that have shown that self-management and taking charge of one's health in the face of a chronic disease is really the key to managing and controlling the effects of the disease. In addition, I think it's important to have a coach partner that understands behavior change psychology so they can walk them effectively through those needed changes. Because honestly, you know, you get hit with a, a major disease, you know, you're just managing day to day how to keep the side effects and manage the, um, the overall um, disease. But that can be challenging. Lori, for someone who's listening right now, what tools do you offer that can help that person live a healthy lifestyle? Well, maybe that would help if I um, gave some examples, Joan. You know, for instance, um, I had a client with heart disease, and she really felt down about all the changes she was being told. You know, people, when we go to the healthcare system, honestly, I'm sorry to say, because I was in it too as a nurse, doing kind of the same thing, pointing a finger at this person, that's my client with heart disease, saying, okay, you need to do this, 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 and this, right? You need to change your diet. You need to exercise. And there's never any questions asked, like, are you capable of doing it? Do you want to do it? All of it. So that that's a challenge. So when we get a person with a disease like I'm referring to with heart disease, and they're overwhelmed with all the changes they have to make, they don't know how they're going to do it. So I worked with this client on other dimensions, such as breathing. We talked a lot about how to manage stress through breathing, you know, breathing and meditation. You know, I really just start with breathing predominantly because that is probably the best free wellness tip I could give anybody because it does change your physiology. It decreases your 
blood pressure, it decreases your heart rate. It's a great place to start. We also talked about the importance of self-care because that's where, you know, the core foundation for well-being is. And we started working on just breathing and self-care. She started to feel better. We worked on her thoughts next. She picked, okay, thoughts. You know, I, I am not, I'm not having very good thoughts. So not, let's work on that. We worked on that. And she realized that um, she was having a lot of um, negative thoughts and that they were all about lack and loss you know, lack of freedom. She perceived all these things she had to do as a lack of freedom. She just couldn't do whatever she wanted. She also had lost. These are real feelings, you know, that have to be dealt with. But as I supported her in all this, she was able to come up with some small action steps. One was around her thoughts. She basically just said, all right, I can look at this a little bit differently. I can actually look at this and be grateful for the opportunity to get healthier. And I actually have the resources to do it. So she had a complete switch in mindset, which I find happens with this process. And once once the client's able to see that and say it, like, oh, my goodness, I've been thinking this. Why am I thinking this? I'm going to think something different. Everything started to shift then. And honestly, she really just worked on some of these other dimensions. And over time, she started to lose weight without being on a diet. Her family relationships improved because they felt her shift in herself you know, of being more, um, you know, responsible to her care and herself. And that improved well-being. And they felt that the family felt it. So we also worked on, interestingly, you know, as a, as a board certified coach, it's unethical for me to even give, tell people what to do. I need to find out who they are because they have all the resources inside to create their own action steps. And that's what we do. And one of the things she wanted to do was exercise and walks and she liked being outside. So we did that. So we talked about the sensing dimension and we talked about how she could appreciate the healing effects. And she, you know, admittedly said, I didn't even realize this about nature. I didn't even listen to the birds. I didn't even feel the wind. So part of that, she was able to go on these walks and actually came out of them with more ideas and more of a sense of empowerment and uh, what she could actually do to improve her whole life, not just manage the heart disease. So it was really, really very interesting. You know, I deal a bit with people such as mothers and caregivers. Well, I do it a lot because even in my patient advocacy work, I'm oftentimes dealing with caregivers. And caregivers are, I call, are unsung heroes because they give their all, they give their heart and soul to whether it's a loved one who's sick or mothers and their children, we could go on. They are just a lot of times deficient in their well-being because they have a tendency to put their own needs and well-being last. In fact, almost neglect them. And they come out on the other side just kind of blindsided, not knowing what to do, you know. But it is interesting when we take them through this process, they actually have an aha moment, usually at that first dimension, because they realize what they've done. And and there's nothing wrong with being a wonderful caregiver, but at some point you got to get that balance in. And that's what this whole wellness program is about. It's about balance. You can still provide the responsibility of being a caregiver or mother, but you can tweak your whole life to create more balance. And that's that's what I find interesting working with people because they come up with their own aha moments. They come up with their own ability to, you know, come up with action steps little by little. And I always say this is a baby step program accordingly that works for each individual. Lori, thank you so much for joining us. If you would like to learn more about Lori and her work or more about HealthLink Advocates, you can visit healthlinkadvocates.com. Lori, again, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Joan. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Are you someone who wants to be healthy and makes the commitment to get healthy only to feel like you failed when you go out and about and don't have anything to eat so you eat that piece of pizza or that hoagie? Hi, I'm Sarah Outlaw from Natural Health Improvement Centers of South Jersey and Des Moines and Real Life Outlaw. I was that person, so I am right here with you. I want to give you my best tips on staying healthy so that you can go out and about and not feel like you are starving to death. My best tips for finding things to eat is actually to plan. If you don't plan, plan to fail. Pack things like organic beef jerky, or hummus and guacamole along with some vegetables, cucumbers, carrots, things that you can easily put into a little cooler or into a baggie, things that you can grab and go so that you're not constantly looking for something to eat. Always making sure that you're packing a water bottle so that you're not tempted to buy a soda or buy some coffee with some junky creamer in it. 
Those types of things are important for your health. So I definitely recommend that you take some time the night before you go out to prepare those types of things. If you have kids, the same things apply. It's so easy to ride through the drive-through and grab this or that for your kids, but it's even easier to take a few minutes earlier in the day or the night before to make some preparations to make sure that they have the snacks that they need. I also love to make a muffin tin up and put all sorts of different fruits and veggies and dips in those and put it on the table if I'm going to be home during the day for my kids. Those types of things are amazing to keep your kids healthy and strong. I hope these tips helped you stay healthy and well. Having a sense of who you are in relation to the world is one of life's most important questions. Hello, this is Angela Vlakonchik, and I'm a stress management specialist from Bridge Management Consulting, offering teachable stress management skills. Spirituality has many definitions, but at its core, it helps to give our lives context. It arises from your connection with yourself and with others, the development of your personal value system, and searching for meaning in life. Spirituality has many benefits for stress relief and overall mental health. It can help you feel a sense of purpose. Cultivating your spirituality may help uncover what's most meaningful in your life, so you can focus less on the unimportant things and eliminate stress. Connect to the world. The more you feel you have a purpose in the world, the less solitary you feel, even when you're alone. This can lead to a valuable inner peace during difficult times. Release control. When you feel part of a greater whole, you realize that you aren't responsible for everything that happens in life. You can share the burden of tough times as well as the joy of life's blessings with those around you. Expand your support network. Whether you find spirituality in a church, mosque, or synagogue, in your family, or in nature walks with a friend, this sharing of spiritual expression could help build relationships and lead a healthier life. People who consider themselves spiritual appear to be better able to cope with stress and heal from illness or addiction faster. Looking at your own spirituality and beliefs can be a step towards cultivating a less stressed life. For more info on stress management coaching and seminars, for work and personal development, visit bridgemanagementconsulting.com. Hi, this is Joan Herman. Did you know that Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life publishes a free monthly digital magazine that can be read online or emailed to your inbox? Every month, nationally recognized leaders in their field provide information to educate, inspire, and motivate you. We believe in a holistic approach to life, incorporating mind, body, and spirit. Check out a copy of 24-7 Magazine, visit CYACYL.com, and be sure to tell your friends. It's time for Tear Health. Joining me today to talk about pain management is Dawn Waddell, Clinical Pharmacy Manager at Baptist Memorial Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. Welcome, Dawn. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Joan, for having me. Dawn, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, approximately 50 million Americans are suffering from chronic or persistent pain. Patients received more than 191 million opioid prescriptions in 2017, which is equivalent to almost 58 prescriptions written for every 100 Americans. It seems like we're taking a one-size-fits-all approach to pain management. Are there different types of pain? Yes, Joan. What we are continuing to learn is that there are different types of pain and there are a lot of different pathways in our body that lead to our perception of pain. So do you believe that each type of pain should be treated the same like we've been doing or should they be treated differently? What's really good to know is that pain treatment can be very individualized. And that's really important because every patient experiences pain differently and they can even experience pain differently over the course of time. So if we can come up with a good plan for the patient and really work with our provider to see what works and follow through with that plan and reevaluate and keep on working it to get the patients to a good pain management goal. I'm one of those people who pays close attention to side effects. When I watch a commercial on television, I'm listening to the list of side effects. And sometimes I say to myself, my gosh, I'd rather actually have the condition. So what are some of the common side effects that are associated with pain medicine? So as far as opioids, since they're the most common medication that we think about, the biggest side effect that we worry about is addiction. Um, Our body has actually become physically dependent to opioids with as little as three days of use. And that physical dependence can lead to psychological dependence. 
And this can lead to things like cravings and withdrawal and eventually addiction that can lead to overdose and death. Some more common side effects that we have to think about, um, things like nausea and drowsiness and impairing your ability to drive. So you have to think about that and whether or not you should get in a car and drive. And things common like constipation that we have to give other medications to manage the side effects. So with addiction being such a a prevalent problem in our society today, what would be some other viable options that we can use to manage pain? That's really where the good news is. Um, There are a lot of different medications that target those different pathways, things that affect our sense of inflammation and our nerve pain, all these different ways that we can incorporate these other medications to really get good results to effectively treat our pain. So what I would recommend is for a patient to really talk to their healthcare provider about how pain is affecting their life and try to put it in the terms of what do I want to be able to do tomorrow that I can't do today because of my pain? And then your physician can talk through the different options available and really work together to come to a plan that you're, you're focused on that goal of functional day-to-day um, pain management. Dawn, we all have those bottles that have expired that are in our medicine cabinet. So is it safe to just throw them in the garbage or how should someone dispose of unused medication? I would recommend addressing those medications um, because they can trickle out into the community and just lead to a further uh, problem with opioids out in our community. So I would reach out to your community pharmacist and they will be able to help you dispose of those medications safely. And also check out safemedication.com. There's a lot of good information about uh, handling medications safely and how to take medications safely. Excellent resource. Dawn, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Joan. Less than 2% of America's population volunteers to defend our nation. Though we rarely see them, we live the benefits of these heroes' sacrifices and the freedom we know and the safety we feel. Each and every day, the Gary Sinise Foundation serves our nation by honoring our defenders, veterans, first responders, and their families. We do this by creating and supporting unique programs designed to entertain, educate, inspire, strengthen, and build communities. The Gary Sinise Foundation has grown because the need has never been greater. Together, we'll improve the lives of thousands of American heroes and their families day in, day out, all year long. While we can never do enough to show our gratitude to our nation's defenders, our veterans, our first responders, and the families who stand by them, we can always do a little more. Join us. Visit GarySiniseFoundation.org. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember, the information provided are the opinions of our guests and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read our digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications, LLC.